This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. Let's go. And I'm Jibber Jabber. Time for some official Jibber Jabber. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make the day make sense. Sorry. <laughs> the, we need to change our tagline from we make today make sense to the official Jibble, Jibber Jabber. Official Jibber Jabber. <laughs> I, That's can't, right. I can't even say it. Anyway, I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Monday, October the 9th. We are very glad to have you along for the ride as we begin yet another adventurous week. Yeah, no joke. Why don't we, uh, we will start obviously with the news. Um, you, you go first. I mean, really, obviously, there's one big story that I think we're both going to talk about a little bit. Sure, which is uh, the ongoing war in Israel um, after the attack over the weekend by Hamas. We've got hundreds, I think it was upwards of a thousand people killed between both sides um, last time I checked. So um, there's New York Times piece that, that I'm going to link to in the show notes, but this is everywhere, which is that the United States is, is working on sending more military aid to Israel. And so Anthony, Anthony Blinken today was saying, uh, well, actually it was on Meet the Press yesterday, that Israel had asked for specific additional assistance. And at that time, they were declining to say what additional, deta- what additional details about what specific mm-hmm. things were going to be sent. Suffice it to say, the United States will probably be very generous in terms of giving milita- uh, Israel the military support that it needs to defend itself against Hamas. Now... The United States has traditionally had very strong support for Israel, backed by much of the American population. And that used to be bipartisan. And I think it will be very interesting in the weeks to come as the discussions over money for Israel continue to come up, just like there have been debates over money for Ukraine. Um, There are generational divides in the support for these kinds of initiatives. And And I'm looking um, at polling from Gallup that came out just in March, which is that support for Israel by Americans has actually declined a bit in recent years, particularly among younger generations. There's a partisan divide, which is that, and actually let me pause here to specify that we're talking about support for Israel and support for the Palestinians. Most people will delineate out Thing, groups like Hamas and terrorist attacks, mm-hmm. they, they're talking about Israel and Palestinians' general population. And when it comes to support for Israel, including financial support, that tends to be very popular in the United States. But that de- popularity is declining. So I'm going to read a mm-hmm. bit, there's one paragraph here about the generational gaps. Aside from partisan differences, Gallup continues to see generational distinctions in how U.S. adults view the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Net sympathy towards Israel, the percentage sympathizing more with the Israelis than the Palestinians, is solidly positive among older generations, including baby boomers. With baby boomers, it's plus 46%. Generation Mm. X, plus 32%. And the silent generation, plus 31%. By contrast, millennials are now evenly divided, with 42% sympathizing more with the Palestinians and 40% with Israelis, yielding a 
negative two net Mm -hmm. Israel sympathy score. You can put that in the margin of error or whatever. But um, in this polling, there were too few adult members of Gen Z to report, but the limited available data data suggests their views on the question are similar to millennials. We are heading into a presidential election that is most likely going to be about war at this point, right? At least in a couple of components. So we have the Ukraine war, and now we have this war that's at least going to take up some of the oxygen in the room. And... I, I suppose that may be overstating it because Trump is going to suck well, up so I, much I, of the I oxygen. Th- I, I think I think I think saying some is is fair. I think it's going to be on the S- low side is, of some, but it w- but it will. Yeah, it's going to be some, and I think it used to be a lot safer for mm-hmm. a Democratic presidential candidate to just say we are one hundred percent behind Israel, no questions asked, all the way yeah. we are here. And I think Biden is going to have to wa- walk a very delicate line here, both politically and in terms of the aid. And what weapons are being sent and thing, and what kind of support is given as he and his team turn an eye to younger voters who are already skeptical of him. I think that's, that's fascinating. I was not aware of that shift in, in sentiment as, as you go sort of down the age scale, I guess. Super, super interesting, super difficult challenge for American politicians. The interesting part, of course, is that most American politicians are still on the older side, and so they still yep. support Israel uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing that's going to come into play here as aid for Israel goes up to the hill and as they fight uh, the Senate being out of session until next week and the House, whatever the House Republicans are doing, um, (laughs) is the bundling. Yeah, they're going to bundle together aid for Israel and aid for the Ukrainians. And that's going to cause a whole nother set of of Michigas, if I might, uh, among lawmakers about how to how to apportion that aid and 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 to do what, you know, the United States has historically done. Or it may make things easier. You know, you have um, Republicans who skew much heavier in their support um, for Israel than um, some of the Democrats, especially um, people in the Progressive Caucus who are very skeptical about sending more military aid to Israel, um, even in this particular situation, um, versus, you know, people on the Republican side who don't want to spend send more money to Ukraine. And this may be one of those deals that gets each side what they want, Mm -hmm. or at least some people what they want, and uh, everybody takes a bitter pill of something they don't like, but I don't know. Although, remember our conversation from a number of weeks ago in which we talked in in depth about the dysfunction in Washington and the dysfunction uh, specifically among the Republican Party, and how one party in Congress is focused on not negotiating and not compromising and not swallowing the bitter pill, but denying the other side what they want. This is true. This is true. And I mean, and all of this, of course, is in this this terrible backdrop of, you know, so many lives lost and probably more to come. And also just every time I I, this conflict flares up, it's I worked in the Middle East for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. and ended up covering quite a few stories related to the Palestinian Israeli conflict, the Middle East conflict, whatever you want to call it. And it's really hard to see a way out of it. You know, people have been working for a two-state solution for so long. Um, that doesn't work. Israel re- regularly gets labeled with the apartheid, you know, criticisms. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the Palestinians have issues of, you know, not having unified government and having components of leadership that are willing to resort to all kinds of tactics um, to try to get more um 
freedoms and, and land for the people. And it's a bad situation. And I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today about how it, there's really no good way to talk about it that doesn't get a whole bunch of people mad at you. And right. there's also not – it's one of those political problems that doesn't have an easy solution. And in an era of talking points and quick answers, I think people really struggle with this one just not having it. Totally. Totally. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. The other thing, just to, to give a little nod to, to my item, which is generally the same thing, the whole funding challenge and, and all of that, there's also a government shutdown that's coming in a matter of right. uh, a month plus, uh, mm-hmm. and we have to deal with that, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, is, it is about to be a very difficult time on Capitol Hill at a moment when Congress and Republicans in the House are not equipped to deal with difficult times. This know? is very true. Very yeah. true. Uh, all right, so I, I have one other one that just just because it caught yeah. my eye, it's completely off topic. Totally interesting, though. It's an item in Bloomberg today uh, about Tesla, and let's speak specifically here about the car company and not the guy who who runs it because hmm. oh my god. But look, Tesla has been cutting prices a lot. So they were the first mover, the first real mover in the EV space, right? They dominate that space to the tune of more than half of all EVs sold in this country are Teslas. They've been cutting prices mm-hmm. for months now, and here's the thing from Bloomberg. At just under $39,000, the base Model 3 sedan now costs almost $9,000 less than the average amount paid for a car or a truck in the United States. So Elon Musk has built market share and now is cutting prices as a way to increase that market share as Detroit is killing itself to make money making EVs. Totally interesting. Wow. I thought. Yeah. I think that's interesting, too, because it also gives you the a, a nice little... Um, what do you say? Uh, test case. Um, that's not the example. Anyway, a nice little example of what first mover privilege is, right? Oh yeah, and yeah, totally. The you know an economic study. I'm sure there will be papers written about this in the future yep. about just the fact that he can do this because yep. he was first, and that right. gives a lot of power in what is going to be a pretty significant chunk of the economy sooner rather than later. Yep. For sure. For sure. All right, Charlton, let's move on. Uh, I will confess I do not have a make me smile today. Just wasn't feeling it. Just wasn't feeling it. Oh. Decided not you to You don't press. want to talk about McCarthy? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, so, so all right, so fine. So, I, yeah. Kimberly and I were talking before we turned the microphones on. Before we started the official jibber-jabber, we had some, we had some yes. unofficial jibber-jabber, and I joked— that, that my make me smile ought to be that Kevin McCarthy said today he is open to being Speaker of the House again. And that just made me laugh out loud. Just that's it. Just made me laugh out loud. Because come on, Kev. Huh. That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I, I had I had a similar reaction when I saw it. Um, but, you know, as, as we were just saying, it's a very serious thing. But sometimes you just have to yeah. just chuckle just at the. Yeah. It's it's like a sitcom sometimes. Um, okay. So I have uh, make me smile similar to the ones that you bring where it's not a smile so much as an interesting right. like twist on things. Right. So I Which saw the story. I think it's totally legit, by the way. Sorry. I think totally it's totally fine. legit. It's okay. All right. Good. Just check. Right. No. Agreed. I agree with you. That's right. why I'm doing it. Right. Um, okay. So this is a story from UPI. Um, it, 
I think a lot of people may not know what UPI is, but it's a newswire agency similar to the Associated Press or Reuters. It used to be a lot bigger than it is, but it still exists, right? Okay, UPI has an odd news section, and there was a headline that said, Sinking Horse Rescued from Colorado Bog. And um, basically the story is... (laughs) Okay, you're smiling already. Great. Um, Firefighters in Colorado teamed up with local residents to rescue a horse that wandered into a bog and started to sink. Uh, They said in the Facebook post that crews responded to a rural property in Weld County and called for and called for help, and the uh, Loveland Fire Rescue Authority's large animal rescue team uh, assisted in assessing the horse's situation, and crews worked together for three and a half hours to extricate the horse. Area neighbors assisted first responders in the operation. The horse was freed from its predicament and assessed by a Colorado State University veterinarian. All is well. Now then, if you had watched (laughs) a particular movie... You would know that this moment has striking similarities to this scene. Roll tape. Oh my god. Artex! You're sinking! Come on! Turn around! You have to now! Come on! Artex! Fight against the sadness, Artex! That would be a scene from Never Ending Story. Yes. You're so pleased with yourself right now. I really am. That was a scene from Never Ending Story where the main character, well, one of the main characters, Atreyu, is trying to lead his beloved horse, Artax, through the Swamp of Sadness. And as you can hear from that tape, it did not go as well as the rescue in Colorado. So it made me smile because they got their horse out of the Swamp of Sadness. And I, I feel like Amen. I've accomplished something go. in life now. You, t- you, t- you totally have. Oh, my God. Uh, I can hear the glee coming over the Comrex line. It's as we so, speak. it really is. Uh, I I saw this this story and it was like it was designed for us. I was like, I know, look, I know uh, I said I wasn't going to keep trolling you on never ending no, story, it's but fine. it's like the I universe, it. It. the universe I meant this it. for us. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, my Lord. Uh, All right, that is it for us today. Please join us tomorrow for our weekly deep dive. We are going to check in on um, sort of what the purpose of corporations are, which is something that came up a lot in 2019 when a bunch of corporations promised to value stakeholders like workers in the community along with shareholders. And given all of the union uh, strikes and fights we're having right now, to be th- we thought it would be an interesting time to check in on that promise and see what has changed since 2019, what hasn't changed, and uh, what that has to do with all these strikes. Spoiler alert, a lot. Uh, Till then, keep the questions and the comments coming. Uh, Make me smart at marketplace.org. 508-U-B-S-M-A-R-T is how you dial the phone if you want to. That's so funny. Charles was like, yeah, no, Kyle, you're supposed to say something. I'm not going to hit the music. Uh, Say words. Make Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg. Secret Today's program was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Ellen Rolfes writes our newsletter. Our intern is Neil Farshabandi. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast, and Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. There you have it. I feel like over the course of years, I'll play you enough clips of this movie that you won't actually I, right. have I, to I, see. I, I will have seen it virtually <laughs> or by, by virtue of the audio. Yeah. Exactly, oh exactly.